here. Yes, please feel free to join and clap hands and sing along. This music comes from a tradition that there were no concert halls. You know, people didn't go for a concert in the Middle East. People would have this music at home for parties, for celebrations. So it's, it's, it's in its origin, informal. People join, people can exclaim and say, Oh my God, Allah, or Elohim. When a musician plays some extraordinary note, or if a drummer plays a wonderful solo, people would exclaim and, and feel the sacredness, presence, when a great moment in the music occurs. So uh, it's, it's a circle. We are around the fire. This is a circle. We are in the desert. So feel free to dance, to sing, to clap, whatever you'd like. We have a special guest, a surprise guest, that I'd like to invite to join us. And this is my, our friend, Jen, who will join us for playing percussion. <laughs> and Jen heard a story that I told. And since she heard that story, she was inspired by it so much that she wrote to me a little note saying that that story inspired her to play percussion with us. And this was maybe two years ago. And today it happened that we realized that dream. That I told Jen on Monday, I said, I think I'm going to tell that story in this place. This is Temple Bet Am, right? Bet El. Yeah, I, I, I told Jen, I think. In the event in Temple Betela, we'll tell that story. So come, come down and join us. So here she is, and this is a story. Great empires introduce incredible innovations. Great empires developed great civilizations. But great empires always, at the same time, destroy other civilizations. There was once a small nation, a small nation of 12 tribes. And that small nation was a spiritual nation. They didn't have kings. They didn't believe in the idea of kings. They had spiritual leaders, prophets, judges. And that small nation of 12 tribes believed in a very peculiar idea. An idea that none of their neighbors believed in. Nobody around believed in that idea. That spiritual idea, a ridiculous idea. This small nation believed that all is one. That all things are connected. And God is in everywhere. They believe in a God called one. That's what they call that their God. Very strange idea, thought their neighbors. And then one day, a great empire, a 
great empire arrived at the door of that small nation of 12 tribes. And the great empire destroyed every worship place. They destroyed every place that people would gather to pray, to sing. And they even destroyed the great, great temple, the central place. And they exiled all these people all over the world. And there was one spiritual, mystical leader in the north of the land that announced that now that the national homeland of this small nation was destroyed. There will be no music as a sign of lament, of continuous memory of this terrible catastrophe. No music, ever. And the people tried. They really tried. They tried to live without music. Nobody, nobody sang. Nobody played an instrument. Everybody made a real effort. But in the middle of a birthday party, in the middle of a wedding, people couldn't hold themselves. Some people start singing. They couldn't. Because you cannot suppress energy. You cannot suppress living energy. If you press it here, it pops up there. And you hit on it over there, it pops up over here and over there. You can't suppress living energy. And so people began to sing. And the spiritual leaders were wise enough to recognize that you cannot tell people not to sing. And so they kept a rule that no instruments are allowed. No instruments. You can sing, but no instruments. Why? Because we said no music. We can't change the whole rule. We'll let you sing, but no instruments. No music. Just singing. And some people have been followed this rule for 2,000 years. And some are still following this today. Incredible. 2,000 years. Because of that one catastrophe. Terrible catastrophe indeed. No instruments are allowed. Some people are still following this rule in the most sacred moments, the most spiritual moments. No music, no instruments. But many years ago, in faraway Yemen, there was a group of women sitting in the kitchen, making food for the dinner table. And one of the women start humming a tune. And she was singing to herself. And the other women start joining. And then suddenly, the most amazing thing happened. One of the women grabbed a tin can that stored oil. And she started playing on it. And 
She starts drumming on that tin can oil. But one of the men raised his hand and said, No, this is not allowed. This is against the law. You cannot play an instrument. And the woman said, Well, this is not an instrument. This is just a tin can oil. And she kept playing. And there was another woman in the kitchen who was holding a sieve. She was sorting out the beans, just like Jen is doing with a drum. But it was only a sieve. And the woman was washing the rice and the beans under the water. And she couldn't hold it. She couldn't hold herself. And she started tapping on the sieve. the man in the kitchen said, no, this is not allowed. This is against the law. No instruments. And the woman with the sieve said, this is not a drum. This is just a sieve. And thanks to these women, the Jewish Yemenite tradition included the tin can and the frame drum in their traditional music. And this is one of the songs from the Yemenite Jewish tradition.
Maya Hadi. Our singer Maya Hadi on Tin Ken. And beautiful voice from Israel, Maya Hadi from a real Yemenite Jewish tradition family. And Jen on percussion. Thank you, Jen. From the Yemenite Jewish tradition, we learned a lot about some ideas of what kind of music our ancestors had in Israel, in the temple, in Jerusalem. And the scholars determined that the Jewish Yemenite tradition is probably the most authentic Jewish tradition in the whole world, meaning all the Jews from all the different diasporas and all the different families and all the different cultures, you know, Jews all pray differently and eat differently and dress differently from all those different traditions around the world. But the Yemenites are considered the most authentic in the way they speak the language, the Hebrew, the way they pray, the way they sing, the way they pronounce the Hebrew in the Bible. And what is really fascinating about that tradition, if you look closely in it, you find something, something jumps out immediately and that is that every Jewish community around the world has a cantor right there's a rabbi and there's a cantor usually the Yemenites have no can no cantors and they never had cantors and it doesn't matter if they have a budget for a cantor or if you, they don't have a budget for a cantor they don't have a cantor why everybody sings <laughs> And everybody know how to see. And they have, you know, the, 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 the cantors, they study four, five years full time in school because you, you have different way to, to pray the, the, the first book of the Bible and a different way to pray the prophets and a different way to pray this and a different way to sing that. And different chapters and different occasions have different music to it. And the cantors have to memorize all that. In the Yemenite traditions, the people all know it because traditionally, until the 50s, until the 60s, when they came to Israel from Yemen, over 2,500 years, these people taught every boy, when they turned on four or five-year-old, they taught the boys Hebrew and chanting of the whole Bible and all the extra books and all the extra versions, everything. So they all sing. And that's why some of the greatest singers of Israel have been from the Yemenite tradition. Ofra Chaza. She sang the mother of Moses in the movie Prince of Egypt. It was Ofra Chaza. They brought her from Israel to DreamWorks because nobody, they didn't want anybody else to sing that part beside of Ofra Chaza from Israel. There are many, many examples like that. Top-notch singers. Who? Rachamim Amar, Shoshana Damari, Achinoam Nini, Izar Cohen. It goes on and on and on and on and on and on. So that is something that is really, really striking about the Yemenite tradition. And from that, we speculate that the nation of Israel was a musical nation. They didn't have cantors. Because the Yemenites represent that tradition that got lost. Everybody sang. Everybody went to Jerusalem on celebrations and sang and danced. Everybody knew to dance and to chant. 
The Yemenite is the only one who preserved it. But our ancestors all had this training and this ear and talent. And from that tradition, you know, the Ju Judaism is the mother religion of two other paths, Christianity and Islam. And so the early Christians took on that traditions. For the early Christians, the Psalms were the most important book, the Psalms. And Song of Songs, for the first Christian mystics, they all wrote about Song of Songs, of what King Solomon meant when he wrote Song of Songs. And the first Christian prayers and the songs were all taken from Jewish tradition because it was in the beginning considered a type of Ju Judaism. It was a kind of Judaism in the beginning. So a lot of the words, hallelujah, for example, in every church around the world, they use the word hallelujah very often in the service, hallelujah and amen. This is, these are all Hebrew words. Not just the language was, was taken over, but also the music. And from the writing of the early church leaders in the first 300 years, they considered people who took other prayers, other music. If you were a Christian in the first 300 years of Christianity, if you were to take a Greek song or any song and make it into a, a Christian prayer, the leaders of the Christi Christian communities considered it heresy. It considered foreign to them. They wanted only the Jewish prayers. That was the main prayers. And this was, until today, it is somewhere in the tradition. In various traditions, there's different amounts of that. And I'd like to demonstrate it to you by doing a very unusual medley, but I think it will really demonstrate to you on an experiential level. We will sing for you a prayer that you all know probably called Avinu Malkeinu, which is part of Jewish traditional prayer. And it's th the words of this prayer goes all the way back to Rabbi Akiva, which is 150 years before, before the turn of the count. Yes, so it's 150 years before the common era. Rabbi Akiva, 150 years before Jesus, he made this prayer in Jerusalem. It was a prayer for rain, okay? 150 years before. And then we're going to play for you one of the earliest, earliest, earliest Christian prayer from the Egyptian tradition, which is called the Coptic Church. This is one of the first churches that were ever created in Egypt. And they have a prayer called Hallelujah. And listen to how Avinu Malkeinu flows into Hallelujah from the Egyptian church tradition. Listen how similar the building blocks of the music is. And the cue for you is when Jamie will join with the drum. When the drum comes in, that's the end of Avinu Malkeinu and the beginning of the Christian Hallelujah from 2,000 years ago.
to Egypt and you go to a Coptic church and you may hear this hallelujah and you feel at home you know there's a reason why you feel at home it's it's connected and then there's beautiful influences that went on you know it, there's nothing pure in this world everything is a soup it's just an illusion or a lack of ignorance uh, rather lack of knowledge or ignorance that some people think that this is their culture and nothing before that happened. If you just research in every culture and every tradition, you find that there was earlier influences. So in this case, you know, we, we know, okay, Judaism is the mother religion and influenced Christianity and Islam. But human history did not start with Judaism. <laughs> Abraham didn't start it. Abraham is not Adam. Abraham is Abraham. Before Abraham, there were human civilization and cultures, the Egyptian, the Greek, the Indian. And so Judaism within itself have many, many cultural influences. And if you just start researching it, you know, you, you can spend the rest of your life just researching this. It's a long, long, long story because it's a very ancient and deep story. It's just a question of where you look. If you look here or you look there. You look there, or you look behind, or here, or above. It's all research. One of the interesting early Christian prayer that comes from the Maronite tradition. This is a fourth century tradition that started with a saint called Saint Maroon. 
who lived north of Israel, Syria and Lebanon area. And until today, there are Maronite Christians in that area. And in the north of Israel, there are Maronite Christians. The famous poet, Khalil Jubran, one of arguably maybe the greatest Arabic poet in history, Khalil Jubran, was a Maronite Christian from, from uh, Lebanon. Uh, our lead singer, our Arabic singer, who is not here today because we don't have the full ensemble, but our lead Arabic singer who sings on our CDs, she's from a Maronite family. And they have very beautiful, beautiful uh, prayers. And because of the connection with Europe and the Middle East, you know, the Crusaders traveling to the Holy Land in the Middle Ages, some of the prayers from the Middle East came into Europe. But not only that, some folk songs, the Crusaders, when they traveled to the Middle East, they've also brought some folk songs from Europe to the Middle East. And so we have this prayer that the Maronite Christians sing on Good Friday for Easter in all the churches of the Maronite faith in the Middle East. At the same time in Europe, that same prayer has been known as a folk song in Italy, in Spain, and in France which they use in carnivals and in circus, and troubadours have sang it, and some gypsy have sang it in the flamenco tradition. And so all these people are sharing this one prayer, and nobody knows who wrote it and where it started. Did it come from the Middle East to Europe, or it came from Europe to the Middle East? As an ethnomusicologist, as a musician, I can tell you that the, the answer is very difficult because that prayer is using a musical scale that is used in the West and it's used in the East. See, if it was like Avinu Malkeinu that you just heard, the Avinu Malkeinu and the Hallelujah that you just heard. If you told me that this came from Spain or from France or from England, I will tell you no, because it uses an indigenous musical mode from the Middle East that is indigenous to the Middle East. That's Avinu Malkeinu. But... This prayer that we're going to play for you right now is using a musical mode that is used both in the East and in the West. So who wrote it, where it originated, it's a mystery. But that's not what is important. What is important is how beautiful that melody is and how much it opens your heart. And the word we're going to sing is Wahhabibi in, in Arabic, Wahhabibi means my beloved. And you can sing it as a lullaby for a baby. You can sing it to a lover. You can sing it to God. You can sing it to a saint, a spiritual person that you follow. This is all would fall under this feeling that expressed with Wahhabibi. <laughs> Thank you. 
ומאיה האדי, ג'מי פייפיש, בבקשה. So you know in, in Hebrew, the name God, there's many names, many ways to say God in Hebrew. You can say El or Elohim, but Elohim is the plural. Elohim is actually many gods. <laughs> It's supposed to be monotheistic. But originally, the word Elohim was indicating many gods. And who was the supreme god in the neighborhood? Well, when the Israelites came to Canaan, the land of Israel, before Israel, before the first Israelis, before the Israelites came with Moses from Egypt, when they arrived, coming back from Egypt, the land was called Canaan. Canaan in Hebrew, Canaan, same thing. <coughs> the supreme god of the land, the people of Canaan, the Canaanites, they believe that in many gods, but there was a supreme god. Guess what his name was? El. El. In the, in the Hebrew prayer book, you have the word El so many times. El Adon, El Elyon, El Yashar, El Chanun Vechanum. God, the word God in Hebrew is El. But the word El is not in Hebrew. It's the name of the previous God. So, when the Israelites came into the land, they didn't just took the land from the Canaanites. They took their God. Isn't that stunning? Isn't that shocking? They don't teach us this in school. Shh. <laughs> It's too complicated, they think. It's too complicated for us to understand. Shh. Now, Everybody's doing it. Every nation, every religion, every spiritual path, every soccer club, every basketball club. It's a human, it's human nature. We are special. But the others not. So the word Allah in Arabic is related to the same word. Allah from the root El. El, Elohim, Allah. It's all from the same root. And the word Allah in Arabic means God. Everybody used the word Allah in the Middle East. Jews use it, Christians use it, and Muslims use it. So when a Jewish person in the Middle East wants to say to a friend, you know, I felt God visited me in a dream, they use the word Allah. It doesn't mean that they are Muslim. They happen to be Jewish. But they use the word Allah, because that's the word in Arabic. So for example, here, if you are a Buddhist, and you say to a friend, oh my God, I forgot to turn off my 
car and it's in a parking lot. I mean, are you Christian because you said the word God in English? No, you're a Buddhist, but use the word God. If you're Jewish and you say, oh my God, I forgot something at home. Use the word God, but it doesn't indicate your religion. It's the same thing with the word Allah. If you say Allah, it just means God. It doesn't mean that you're a Muslim. It doesn't mean anything about your religion or whatever you believe. So that's just to demystify this word for you. But the mystical people, since we are, we are not, none of us is a literalist here. We are all mystical, deep people who are looking for the hidden truth. The hidden truth, one of them, is that the word Allah means the breath. That's why you have an age. When you write it in English, the word Allah, you don't write A-L-L-A, you write A-L-L-A-H. Allah. There's <sighs> because the word Al in Arabic, like algebra, alhambra, Al, these are Arabic words. Algebra and alhambra is Arabic words. Al means the. Alhambra means the red rock. Alhambra. Hamra. Alhambra. It's red earth. So Allah is the breath. But again, this is mystical teaching. They don't teach it to the kids who go to the mosque because it's too complicated, they think. But in the text, in the beginning, in Bereshit, in Genesis, which Muslims follow, just like Jews and Christians, they believe in the first book of Moses, in Genesis. It says God breathed a breath into clay and the clay became human. Magic. You form a body from clay and you breathe, you breathe life into it and it becomes a human. What makes it human? It's the breath. The breath of life. So when we chant Allah, that's what we mean. We mean the breath of life. The breath that makes you alive. The element in you that makes you still be alive. Without the breath, you're dead. That's the magic. Who gave, who gave that breath? That's the mystery. So this piece that we will do right now comes from the Sufi mystical tradition of Turkey. This is a Islamic mystical path. And they often use a dervish that turns and pray through movement. And we do that with my, our full ensemble. We have a friend who's a dervish from the Sufi tradition of Turkey. And he turns and turns and pray through movement. And this music that we will play for you right now is the kind of music that is being played for that ceremony, for that prayer ceremony. And the words that we chant is Allah or Allahu, which means, as you know, the breath of life. And who means in this world, in this physical world, the breath of life in this physical world.
If you would like to see the whole ceremony, how this song evolved with the dervish and uh, the whole ensemble, which is 10 musicians and performers, uh, please come to a concert where we do uh, the whole thing. I think the next, the next concert we have in LA area is on July 5th in Beverly Hills in Temple Emmanuel, and we will have the gypsy uh, Turkish musicians with us, the gypsies from Turkey, and dancers and the whole thing. Um, if you like, there's a DVD that we brought that you could purchase that has the dervish and the whole performance in the World Second Festival at the Scarable Center. You could see the whole thing and show your friends and be as if you're in the concert with that DVD. We would like to uh, conclude uh, our evening with a prayer for peace. And we would like to teach you this song. This is an old Hebrew song. This is an old Hebrew song of love which is inspired by the Psalms. And I'm sure you know this song because it was a huge hit in Israel and all over Europe and in America in the 60s. It was translated to many, 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 many languages. And there's a beautiful Israeli folk dance to this song. And people have been having their weddings with this song. Many brides walked in with this song. And then this song started to die off. The young generation in Israel is not interested in this song. People stopped singing it. It stopped fading away. And just then, a miracle, a miracle of history happened. A Sufi mystical order from California, from Northern California, a Sufi Muslim mystical order picked up that melody, picked up that Hebrew song about love, and they start singing it just with two words, Shalom and Salam, peace in Hebrew and Arabic. And now they're teaching this song all over the world to Sufi orders all over the world. They teach this song as a Sufi Muslim prayer for peace. Many of the people don't know that it's originally an Israeli song for lo about love. Many of the people in Israel and people all over the world that know the song, they don't know that the Sufis are now praying for peace with that song. And so we decided to bridge the two together. And we recorded that song on our CD, Seeker of Truth, where we sing it in Hebrew and Arabic. And we do both the original Israeli version, and then we segue into the Sufi prayer for peace. So we invite you to pray with us and teach this to your friends and your kids and your grandkids. It's a beautiful song. It's a healing song. Oh, 
Thank you for singing with us, dancing with us. Beautiful. Beautiful to hear your voices. Beautiful. Thank you. <laughs> thank you for Rabbi Kavod who, for bringing us here. And thanks for Ari and thanks for Amy for bringing us to Orange County. This is our first performance in Orange County. Thank you very much. <laughs> Well, we have, we have one more song to share with you, if you'd like. Um, Could you tell us the name of the instrument you play? Yes, this is called Oud, and this is the grandfather of the guitar. It's the father of the lute. It's called Oud, O-U-D, which means wood in Arabic, and it comes from the Middle East. From percussion, this is called Oudu. The clay drum is Oudu. And the side drum is called dumbek or dorbuka. It's dumbek or dorbuka, sometimes it's called tabla even. And we had the daf, which is a Persian instrument, the, the round uh, drum. This is called daf from the Persian tradition. So we hope, uh, we're, gonna s we're gonna sing another song and then we hope uh, that you stay a little bit to uh, meet us. We would love to meet you in person. And we'd love to hear your stories, your questions, and your corrections and comments. <laughs> we, we learn from everybody. <laughs> comes from the Jewish Moroccan tradition. They have beautiful songs. Some of them go all the way back to Spain, to the golden age of Spain. So this is one of them. It's called Duror Ikra, and it's not the Yemenite Duror Ikra that we know from Israel. This is the Duror Ikra that comes from Morocco, from the Jewish Moroccan tradition. And you're welcome to dance and to clap and to sing along. It's a great song for a community.
on drums, Maya Hadi on vocals. My name is Yuval Ron, I play the wood. We hope to be back here and see you again. Thank you everybody for coming out. Welcome to Temple Bethel. Um, please again look for other community scholars event. Um, programs. You can get on the mailing list. You can check out our programs here at Temple Bethel and enjoy the music. Take some of this music home with you. Share it with friends.